Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you on a busy, busy Saturday of sports. And my God, we've got a busy show tonight. So much to get through. Reaction to all the Premier League today, including uh, that 2-0 defeat for Manchester United against arch-rivals Man City at Old Trafford. Reaction to that to come in just a few minutes. We've got a big, big preview of tomorrow's... um, Premier Senior Hurling Semi-Finals down in Porky Cueve. We'll hear from all the camps involved in those. We'll also have reaction to the rugby today. Ireland with a big, big win over Japan up at the Aviva Stadium, winning by a 55-point margin. And we reflect on a good win for the Cork City FC women's team today. Not only did they win the game, they also broke an attendance record for the Women's National League. So all that and plenty more to come here on the Big Red Bench between now and 7 o'clock. I often say it's a busy show, but I'm not lying tonight. It is a very, very busy show. We've got a hell of a lot of stuff to get through on a crazy busy Saturday of sport uh, between now and 7pm. It is Colm O'Sullivan with you um, on the Big Red Bench. And uh, as I said, we will be reflecting on a big win for the Irish rugby team. A little bit later on, we'll hear from one or two of the players. We're playing in that game today. 60 points to five, the final score there for Ireland in the autumn uh, autumn uh, test series against uh, Japan in the Aviva Stadium this afternoon. We've got a big, big preview as well. We're going to do that very shortly of all the GAA tomorrow because it's a big day down in Porky Queef tomorrow. Uh, you've got a double header down there. The first game is Black Rock taking on Middleton in the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling semi-final. And then the other semi-final is arch rivals Glen Rovers up against SARS as well. Both of those games tomorrow afternoon, half one and half three down in Porky Queef. So we'll hear from um, some of the uh, the managers and selectors involved and so on. And we'll chat in a few minutes to our man. And Jer McCarthy, who was going to be down there, he's got a big preview of that for us in just a few minutes as well. But first of all, we want to start with the Premier League. And before we get to the Manchester Derby, uh, just one game underway in the Premier League this evening. It is Brighton up against Newcastle, just about a half an hour into that match now at the Amex Stadium in Brighton. And poor old Newcastle, despite their new owners and all the money they're getting, uh, things are not going their way again. And they are 1-0 down to Brighton there after 32 minutes there. Um, a penalty for Brighton from Trossard. Uh, putting them in the lead against Newcastle. So, I mean, Newcastle, uh, despite all their money, you're going to have quite a relegation battle on their hands this season. Uh, another club who might have a battle for the top four, the way things are going, is Manchester United. They'll be hoping to turn things around in the coming weeks after a very disappointing 2-0 defeat at, at home in Old Trafford today against arch-rivals Manchester City in the um, Ma- Manchester Derby. And, I mean... Uh, uh, high hopes for United to get a result after their heroics coming back twice against Atalanta during the week in the Champions League. Two goals from Ronaldo in that game. We thought Ronaldo might get United a couple of goals today. Sadly, it wasn't to be. And it was Man City who got the victory there. And Darren Stanich was at Old Trafford watching for us. United nil, City 2, an extremely comfortable win for City in the derby. All the work done in the first half. Six minutes on the clock, Eric Bailly turned the ball into his own net. And the late Bernardo Silva effort squirmed past De Gea for the second. But in truth, United totally outclassed in the first half. Had it been not been for De Gea, it would have been four or five. The only bit of quality, Ronaldo volley saved by Edison. United made a change at the break, Bailly offers Sancho. But City dominated the ball in the second half, protecting Edison from any danger. United have now just won one of the last six games. City very much remain in the title hunt in the derby it's finished United nil, City 2 
It certainly has. And just give you the other results from around the Premier League then today. Uh, Norwich had um, a win finally for them. They beat Brentford today. Uh, Brentford were at home at the Brentford Community Stadium and Norwich got the victory there. And uh, bad and needed win for Norwich. It might be enough to keep them up. But you know what it does do is it lifts them off the bottom of the table. It was their first win of the season. And um, if Newcastle end up losing to Brighton as they're one down at the moment, Norwich will actually go above Newcastle and Newcastle will be in deep, deep relegation trouble. Um, so we'll see how that game pans out there but a good win for Norwich today against Brentford uh, the other results then from around the Premier League today Chelsea with a one-all draw for Burnley that's a good result for Burnley in their relegation battle as well at Stamford Bridge one-all the final score there Chelsea and Burnley that means Chelsea remain top they could have gone five points clear or, or maintained their five-point lead over Manchester City at the top of the Premier League instead they are now three points clear of Manchester City but uh, Liverpool do play tomorrow and, and they could narrow the gap a little bit as well there um, and uh, United are a little bit further back now after that result today Crystal Palace another good win for them they had a good win uh, last week uh, beating Man City themselves and uh, Crystal Palace with a 2-0 win over Wolves um, in the uh, game today at Selhurst Park as well and as we said the other game ongoing is Brighton and Newcastle now get some more reaction to that Manchester derby this afternoon such a, a, a disappointing performance and a disappointing result for Manchester United and it puts more pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, I don't think he's going anywhere for the time being he is a Manchester United legend he's a great guy but unfortunately results not going his way and he was disappointed at full time today very difficult to, to talk now of course because uh, we uh, we started the game off with Badly, of course, passive, and um, when they get the first goal, uh, it was always going to be. Well, it was always going to be a difficult game anyway. But of course, being one 0 down was was hard. David kept us in the game, uh, some some good stops, and then they scored the goals they always score. Uh, they played well, of course. They they don't give you opportunities to uh, to uh, win the ball off them. So some praise got to go to them as well. But of course, we were we were not at our level uh, and standard. Uh, they they need to be raised. Standards do indeed need to be raised, and that is Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer reacting to their two 0 defeat at home to Man City today Roy Keane uh, he was on Sky Sports after we just want to play you uh, about a minute of Roy Keane uh, what his reaction was because um, he wasn't happy with the Manchester United performance today it felt worse I think the goal in half time of course game game all over City d- different type of team to Liverpool they were quite happy just to keep the ball and they just toyed with United really uh, so poor the difference in class quality decision making um, everything it was I know the old saying it was men v boys but United are so awful it's it's unbelievable you know four dimensions there it's a tough place to come it's not ask Everton ask Aston Villa ask Liverpool teams have come here get, they're getting a bit of joy now I know United's away record of it over the last couple of seasons has been fantastic but ultimately it's what you do at home that gives you that foundation to try and compete and go on and win trophies because United still always have the quality even away from home but their home form the performance the defend, the goal at half time has killed it you know but United just need to go in at half time 1-0 regroup try and do something the second goal it's game over and United I don't know what I'm going to say it's just it's just it's just so poor 
That is Roy Keane giving his reaction afterwards. So poor. And he is not happy with that game from Manchester United today and the performance from Manchester United today. The full-time score at Old Trafford, as we said. Manchester City 2, Manchester United nil in the Premier League. And that puts City uh, three points uh, just behind Chelsea now at the top of the Premier League table. Uh, the table doesn't look as pretty for United. They're now in sixth, or will be in sixth, certainly, if Brighton uh, win against Newcastle as they are at the moment. Um, United just 17 points now. Chelsea nine points clear of Manchester United now at the top of the table and United are three points off the top four West Ham uh, they play over the weekend and they could make that a six point gap to the top four for Manchester United so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to have to turn things around quickly at Old Trafford if United are going to be in the running for the top four as the season goes on but um, they've got a couple of big Champions League games coming up now over the next couple of weeks as well as they aim to qualify for the next round of the Champions League uh, we gave you all the other scores from the Premier League and the latest still at the Amex Stadium between Newcastle and Brighton is Brighton 1 Newcastle nil 38 minutes on the clock there we're going to turn our attentions now to Gaelic Games and as we said it is a, a big big double header down in Porky Cueve tomorrow it is the uh, Premier Senior Hurling semi-finals and the early one is Blackrock taking on Middleton that's at 1.30 the second one of the afternoon is Sars and the Glen that is um, at 3.30 down in Porky Cueve so a big double header down in Porky Cueve tomorrow uh, we'll hear from some of the uh, the coaches and managers involved in just a few minutes but first of all Ger McCarthy Ger is going to be our man as usual down at Porky Cueve tomorrow afternoon he'll be at those games for us and he'll be bringing us all the latest and all the reaction uh, from those two semi-finals and right now we're going to preview those games with Ger and look ahead to the action at Porky Cueve tomorrow Ger thanks for joining us how's it going? Not too bad at all. Um, two big games tomorrow, Ger. We'll start with the the early throw-in, which is Blackrock and Middleton down in the park at one thirty. Um, I suppose Blackrock, obviously county champions, they didn't get off to the the most wonderful of starts in this championship, but they have responded very well, and uh, they've got a great strong team. And you'd probably have to fancy them, I suppose, would you? Yeah, I think going on farm, uh, as you said, they came second in their group down there and zone. Sorry, they finished level on points with Arizona in the early stages of the championship, but once they got to the knockout stages, um, you know they found in the certainly in the in the quarterfinals they certainly found their form to beat Douglas three sixteen to one twelve, and played very very well to do that. But this is going to be tight, Cullum, because you know when it gets to the semi final stages and you're facing a rugged team like Middleton. Um, who won't really have too much fear of them? They're slight underdogs going into it, um, and like Blackrock naturally is the. Excuse me, BlackRock is the reigning champions would 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 be favoured at this point of the season. But look, when it gets to Parky Cueve and it gets to the semi-final stages, there rarely is very much in these games, as you know yourself. So I think there should be a very very good game between two evenly matched teams and well balanced teams. Um, but I, at the moment, I think just because of BlackRock's kind of experience and because of the fact that they won it last year, um, I think and the fact that they lost to Arizona in the opening round, they really responded very very well beating Charleville and then coming over coming to Barris and Douglas so they're on a bit of a roll and they have gained a bit of momentum and that's not to say that Middleton are a bad team at all or won't be in this game and um, they're certainly more than capable of of, uh, of upsetting the apple cart and they've got people like Tommy O'Connell uh, Connolly Han and Luke O'Farrell as well Like so I mean, they're not short talent they're not short inter-county talent it should be a very good and a very close game but I would fancy the Rockies just with their recent experience and of winning it last year to come through by a couple of points yeah, the Rockies will fancy their chances, I'd imagine, of, of going all the way and retaining their title this year and 
they'll be very much hopeful that they can but I mean Middleton as we say will be tricky Rockies are the favourites um, but Middleton for their own part they're a decent side they overcame the disappointment of their final group game losing to Sars they got a win against Aaron's own in the quarter final and you name checked some of the players there as well Ger. Uh so they have a decent side who will definitely put it up to the Rockies won't they? They will. Like one of the things I think the features of this of this particular game is the two defenses. Like there's a lot of intercounty talent in the forward line, um, but like the half back lines on both teams are really really solid and pretty much their attack. Their, that's where they launch a lot of their attacks from. As I mentioned, Tommy O'Connor at centre back has been looking really good this year, and I think he kind of holds down that actual that, that back six. And they've been very very. I think what Middleton have have been dogged. I wouldn't necessarily say they've been uh, you know out of this world and like the group that they came out of. Like they finished behind Sars, but they finished ahead in the Pearson and Carrick Tool, and there was there were quite tight matches. And I think that can stand to teams when it gets to this stage that they, you know, if it's tight and it's it's still close with the last fifteen minutes to go, and certainly against a team with a free flowing attack like the Rockies, Middleton have nothing to lose. That's what I keep saying. Like they're probably the least favourite of the four going into the semi final. Um, um, but that will suit them. I mean, they, they, they have no issue whatsoever with that, and like they'll come out all guns blazing. But it's just when you look around that Black Rock team, and I keep going back to it, the fact that they got to that, like that they won it, uh, they won the twenty twenty one, and the way they won it as well. Um, I just think that the Rockies may have too much for them. Uh, okay, you're going with the Rockies for that one, Ger. That's the that's the early game, and uh, you're back in the Rockies, so we'll see how you get on with that tomorrow. That prediction, um, I have a feeling you might be right, but I think the next one is going to be an absolute cracker, really, isn't it? It's three fifteen, and I mean, when you mentioned Glen Rovers v Sars in any game, straight away it gets the mouth watering, doesn't it? Um, absolutely, and I mean, like two very very good ultra-packed teams with so much talent uh, in, in their lineups. I mean, Sars, when you look at the first couple of weeks of the championship, they won all three group games. Middleton, the Pearson, Carrick Tool, they scored 97 points wow. in those three games. Like, I mean, that's as good a farm as you could ask for from any club heading into the championship. Though the only thing is, there has been a bit of a gap and they didn't play a quarter-final because they, they, were, they were the top-seeded team mm. coming out, so they went straight into the semi-finals. And as we know, like you know, sometimes a gap can suit a team, and sometimes you know you're better off actually playing the extra game. But it's, it's Stars haven't won this uh, since 2014, and that's a pretty much like a famine for a club. But that's with Sarsfield's yeah. reputation and with their heritage they won it in 2012 and 2008 I know but not having won it since 2014 and in that time they've seen the Glen win it twice and they've also seen Black Rock lift the trophy so I think there's the word I'd use to describe them this year um from watching the matches and just even reading the match reports of the other games there's a hunger about them this year and they'll need that hunger they will definitely need it in, in a semi-final. Like I mean, they've got. We all know the talent that they've got. They've got, you know, Daniel Carney as well. They've got James uh, Sweeney, and they've got Aaron Myers, who's done very, very well this year. They're going to have to be at top, top level though if they're going to take on a Glen team who obviously came through so dramatically in their quarter-final with the loss. I know the resurrection. Yeah, of, uh, I mean, I mean, of the Cork Senior player. That's the big, big talking point, isn't it? Patrick Horgan's red card in yes. that quarter-final triumph over Emma Killy. Um, it was controversial at the time. Um, we'll. Hear uh, so some of the managers talking about that in just a little while, but um, it's overturned. It was overturned during the week, and he is playing. So I mean, that's a huge, huge boost to the Glen. I mean, they 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 couldn't get a bigger boost than that, really. No, I mean, uh, is there is there a better free taker in the country, uh, both at club and inter county level? I don't think so, um, and I just think you know because so much was written about it and spoken about it obviously Patrick uh, obviously Patrick Horton getting sent off his top you know would be a headline news anyway but because it was off the ball and it, you know he was I think it was referee Simon Stokes at the time he took advice from his umpires um, and he, he put him off now 
I think there's two things here. One, you know, it's coming into a semi-final. You would normally assume a team would appeal, and usually teams that are successful at this late stage of the championship. It's rare that they're not. But I think the big that was the big headline, Cullum. But the bigger story here was how um, how Patrick Horgan's teammates rallied and how they managed, even you know, without him. Yeah. To get to get through to the semi final um, the way that they did, and I think that in itself, I think they'll be I think they'll be honing in on that rather than Hoggy's return. To be quite honest with you, it's great that he's back. He's going to be a huge, huge player for them. And but I think the fact that the Glen were able to dig deep, I think the fact that they were able to just you know it's Tim O'Kelly they're playing now. Don't forget, and I mean like to come through that by a point, I think the boost that that will give the rest of the dressing room. Obviously, the boost you see with Hoggy's walking back in, that's great news, and it's obviously going to give everyone a lift. But if you can do that without him, and you can hold off a team of the quality of Imo Kelly, not just any old team, but a team that had won the county three years in a row, 2017 to 2019, that alone, I think the psychological boost there is going to be significant. And just two factors that I think, as I said, Sarah's have had a bit of a gap. And sometimes, look, if you want, I think it was James McCarthy, the Castle 11 footballer, said it ahead of uh, last weekend when he was asked, you know, would you, t- would you have preferred, are you glad that you got to play a quarter final before reaching the county football semi-finals? And he said, well, if I'm Douglas, I'm happy that I'm there. And I think Sarah's would give you the same answer. They're yeah. glad that they played so well. They're glad that they were dominant. They're glad that they were playing the way that they were. And you need to get into a semi-final to lose it. But I actually think the fact that the Glen came through the Emo Kelly game and the manner in which they won out in the final 10, 15 minutes of that game plus the return of their talismanic forward, I think is going to tip the balance in their favour. Like, on paper, they have the momentum, don't they? And maybe, like, Sarah's not playing that quarterfinal kind of kind of almost quelled their momentum a little bit. You might say they're more rested and so on, but I don't, don't think that comes into it at all, Ger, does it? I mean, and, no. like, a, a victory that the Glen got like that with 14 men, with their tallies man, Patrick Horgan, sent off, and as you say, they rallied. Like, that can do a lot for a team, that kind of thing, can't it? It can. It wasn't even called to the way they rallied. I mean, they were under pressure. Like he didn't go off early either. He went. Yeah. He didn't go off late. He went off pretty early. So you have to change your game plan. Now we know modern day clubs trade for this scenario. They trade in certain points of their of their training sessions where they go down a man just to see, and everybody knows what they're doing. But I, I actually think the moment that he went off it was Robert Downey, and I think it was Owen Downey in that half back line that really stood up. I mean, their forwards obviously came through for them, and they needed them to to get those scores to get over the line. But when you've got the, ta- I think when you've got the experience that the Glen have and like they're fabled for their fighting spirit which can almost seem like a cliche sometimes I'm not suggesting that it is but like if you've got that talent in your team and you have the ability to dig deep when you're under when you're under that kind of pressure and I actually think the fact that like they lost their opening game to Douglas this year and a lot of people yeah. were kind of looking at them going you know are they the same Glen this year and like they, they were pushed hard to get over Luton Shandrum as they did and again Emma Kelly by the point but if you're winning tight games and you're not playing particularly well or not playing to your optimum maybe not particularly, particularly well that's a great sign and in a semi-final when it might come down again much like the other game to the final couple of minutes it's that knowledge in the back of your head as a player that look we did this already and um, we did it without Hoggy we can do it again the only thing is the thing I'm looking forward to seeing more than anything is how will Saris come out when they haven't played when they've had that gap they'd have to hit the ground running as quickly as they possibly can it's good they're going to be two brilliant games Colin but I just think from what I've seen of the Glen and the way in which they came through against Simo Kelly I, I just think I'd, I'd give, the, give it to them but only by a point or two So you're thinking the Rockies and the Glen just okay. edge it sure. Yeah so apologies to both sets <laughs> I always love putting you on the spot
<laughs> and supporters love telling me about it so thanks uh. absolutely alright listen Ger enjoy it it should be a great afternoon down the park tomorrow two cracking games ahead and uh, we'd have all Ger's reaction from those games and from all the, the four camps involved in the games uh, tomorrow evening on the show as well so Ger thanks a million and enjoy the matches tomorrow oh, welcome thank you sir we're going to hear now from um, some of the camps involved, at least three of the camps involved in tomorrow's uh, semi-finals anyway. We're going to hear first from Black Rock. As we said, they take on Middleton in Porky Cueve tomorrow in the Co-op Superstore's Premier Senior Hurling Semi-Finals. Aidan has been speaking to both camps ahead of the game and he is first chatting to Black Rock boss Fergal Ryan. Black Rock Senior Hurling boss Fergal Ryan is on the line. Fergal, thanks for coming on. No problem. Uh, first of all, you're the reigning champions uh, this year. Has, has the season felt any different with that tag or has been business as usual um i suppose business as usual from our point of view um you know you'd like to think that it adds a little bit to the guys to say that you know we do our best not to relinquish um you know that county champions tag but you know really i suppose if you look at us you'd say it probably gives other teams a little bit more of an incentive um or an easier to form an incentive than maybe um having that tag yourself I suppose one of those sides would have been Aaron Zone, and obviously you recovered very well from that that early loss uh, against them in the group. But uh, was that kind of uh, was that first game loss a bit of a jolt? I wouldn't say a wake up call, but certainly uh, I suppose like a kickstarter. Um, oh, well, well, definitely it was something that we weren't planning on. Um, obviously, winning your first game is very important in their own robin stage because it it can I suppose make it a little bit easier if you were, if you were to lose one um, in the subsequent two games, but. You know, Aaron's own brought the game, deserved to win, probably deserved to win a bit more. Um, and yeah, we were, it was squeaky bum after that, I suppose. We had to beat Charlevin and we had to beat the Bears. And, you know, the team, I suppose, put together um, better performances than we had against Aaron's own. And um, that is enough to get us get us over the line in both games. I suppose a big part of those performances is the fact that Blackrock score goals. And that's clear to be seen uh, from from the, the last few games. And one of those main threats is Alan Connolly. Um, it must be great to to know that you you have guys like him on the pitch that can go find the net when you need it. Um, yeah, and look, sometimes it doesn't work out. It, it worked out for us um, in those two games, um, but it's always nice to have players that you know have an eye for goal, and he's certainly one of those players. Um, you know, if he sees an opportunity, you know he's got that type of um, poacher vision that um, he go for it and. You know, it's sometimes it works out, but when it does, and depending on the period in the game, it can be it can be vital, and it was vital um, against the Bears, and and vital against Douglas as well. So, but you know, there's there's um, Robbie Robbie Cotter has a has a knife for goal as well. Ty DC has a knife for goal, and um, there's a couple of players on that on that um, pitch that tend to tend to go for it at times. Sometimes you're shouting at and put it over the bar, but um, no, it's always good. You don't want to take that instinct out of any any players. Um, especially when it it delivers now and again. Absolutely, um, I suppose Middleton. A lot of people have them down as outsiders, um, but uh, no team gets to the last four of the championship. I suppose without having something about them. Uh, definitely not. Look, you'd look at the four teams that are left, and um, you know any combination could contest the county final. Um, there'd be no surprise there. I don't think there's any team that's way ahead of anybody else. And look, it showed last year. It took two games in extra time for our semi-final and final to to eke out a win. Um, you know, so Middleton Middleton have have threats and strength all over the pitch. I think we're 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 similar. Um, we're very similar. That you know, that you know, we've a good backline. They have a good backline. They've got forwards that can hurt you. We've got forwards that you, that can hurt you. Um, so you know, it'll be. I think it'll be a very tight game. Um, 
and hopefully hopefully we're on the right end of it when it finishes up um you know it could be could be something very simple that can win or lose that game for either either of us um but really really you know if it was Middleton and Glenn in the final or Middleton and Sars or us and Glenn and us and Sars I don't think anyone would be overly surprised so that's that's good and when you get to the last four that's the expectation anyway um, with teams Well it's shaping up to be a super Sunday of hurling uh, Fergal thanks a million for coming on and uh, best of luck Thanks Aidan Cheers yeah, Blackrock uh, Black boss Fergal Ryan chatting to Aidan ahead of tomorrow's semi-final against Middleton. We'll hear from the Middleton camp now and Aidan also chatting to Middleton selector Terence McCarthy. Uh, Middleton selector Terence McCarthy has joined me ahead of Sunday's semi-final. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, no Aidan. No problem. You, you faced the reigning champions Blackrock in the in the county semi-final. Uh, Parky, Cueve, uh, I doubt somehow your boys will need much more motivation heading into the weekend. No, look, when you look back uh, a few weeks ago there after beaten by stars it's nice to have turned things around I suppose and be in the last four of the prestigious competition yeah and uh, yeah big, big task in front of us playing the Black Rock the champions so but look, looking forward to it uh, going by the papers you're, you're the outsiders which I can't imagine you'll mind too much um, does that I suppose that give you a bit of an element of being under the radar yeah I suppose most people have miss um and they'd meet a lot of people around the place, you know, they're not giving us much of a chance. And uh, I suppose, look, there's no point in hiding behind that. There's, uh, it's a nice way to be going in, but you still have to produce the goods. There's no point in <laughs> being a losing underdog. So uh, we have to produce the goods and try and win on, on Sunday as well. Blackrock have been finding the net with great regularity this year. Is that something you will have to match in order to come out the right side? Yeah, I would say that's a definite. Uh, and then, I mean, that go back to the... Uh, Red FM League there back in July. Um, we both scored four goals in that game. And, uh, you know, I would say we, we got the goals early in that game to be ahead at halftime. It was a 4-6 to one ten or something. But, you know, you definitely have to match them at the goals if you can. Um, but again, I think it's all about in-game um, in game uh, plan as well. You know, not, not to panic if they do get a goal, you know. Um, but certainly they have a lot of firepower there with uh, you know, the 10 goals scored against R4. So I suppose that's where the underdog comes in as well. So we definitely have to address it. Agreed. Um, there, you've plenty of, of experience in your own squad. Uh, Conor Lehan, I suppose, a real leader in there. Um, you've also got the likes of Luke O'Farrell, I suppose, in the side as well. How important is it that, that you have those players between the white lines to steer the ship when you send them out there? Yeah, very important, and they've been very good for us. Like, I mean, they're both playing. She's like, Duke is there since 2007, Connor probably 2008. You know, fantastic servants in Middleton. Um, Paul Hockney, Seamus O'Farrell around the place. You know, great guys. Um, you know, experience in playing big championship matches up in the park, and they know when to, um, you know, when to, when to panic and not to panic, and they're great with the younger lads coming through as well. Um, so that they, they have, you know, they've won county back in 2013, and we've, you know, we've we've been close a few times. So uh, not very, very important for us. Well, shaping up to be a, a great weekend of hurling turns. Uh, thanks a million, and uh, the very best of luck. No problem, Ed. Thank you. Cheers. Middleton selector Terence McCarthy there speaking ahead of their semi-final tomorrow um, against Black Rock. We're now going to look ahead to the other semi-final as we mentioned with Joe earlier on. It is of course Sars up against the Glen and ahead of that semi-final tomorrow their final four clash. Uh, Aidan was chatting to Sars manager Barry Myers. Barry Myers is Sarsfield senior hurling boss. Uh, Barry, thanks for joining with us. No problem, Aidan. Top seed uh, straight into the last four and after last year's quarter-final exit I imagine you must have been delighted 
with that? We were delighted. Um, the the group stage um, we played very well against Napier Sheiks for the first match. Followed up with a good performance against Kerry Tool and I suppose about the first ten minutes against Middleton, we were delighted with the the rest of the match. And uh, we've put up big scores in each game, and we're defending well. And um, you know, uh, I suppose top in the group was probably the target. Going towards the number one seed was a bonus. Uh, so we're we're delighted to be in the last four, having lost the uh, out in the quarter final in the last three years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, as well, that that brings its own challenges of trying to stay in the rhythm. Uh, how have you managed that break compared to the other three teams who played the quarterfinals? Yeah, we played Farrah O'Neill's in a challenge at home um, last Sunday week. That was a very good challenge. And uh, we went down to play the Waterford Champions Ballygunner last weekend. And um, we did something similar prior to the middle of the match when we went up to Torles Sars. And that game was very beneficial and I think led to the performance against Middleton. And I'm hoping the game that we played against Ballygunner will have the same effect uh, on the team on Sunday because... Uh, we'd have been a month without uh, a tough game and you can go into these semi-finals cold and uh, you know by the time you get out of the blocks you know you would find yourself uh, half a dozen points down and then you're chasing the game and stuff so we think we've managed it well but only time will tell on Sunday whether we whether um, the lack of a championship match is going to cost us you know yeah and of course uh Plenty of, of players, as you said, you're scoring heavy. Jack O'Connor lit up TV screens during the, the summer in the Cork jersey. I think Aaron Myers has scored 133 as he, uh, so far this year. So uh, plenty. And as a coach for yourself, it must be really exciting to, to get your hands on players like that. Well, um, we have a widespread of scorers from uh, half-back midfield uh, all the way up into the six forwards. And uh, Liam Healy uh, to come back into the frame on Sunday. You know, uh, one of our best forwards, certainly uh, our best forward in the championship last year. So we're delighted to be him back now, and um, yeah, we think he'll make uh, a sizable impact for us as well on Sunday. The Glen are always going to give you a fight, and of course they have Patrick Horgan back now from suspension as well. Uh, so it's going to be a real battle, isn't it? Well, it is, and I'm actually was at the game. I did, and I saw the incident. I didn't think Patrick Horgan did anything out of the way. Uh, to even warm the yellow card not mind the red card so I was always expecting Patrick to get off Patrick's not a dirty player he's a long career with Cork and um, and his own club the Glen and um, he had an impeccable uh, discipline record and uh, um, you know uh, probably would have been easier for us to play the Glen without him but the fact of the matter is he didn't deserve a red card and he deserves to be undefeated on Sunday and um, it's up to us now to uh, step up to the plate and beat the Glen at their best. Absolutely, so they will be at their best after the quarter final um, defeat of Imokili. Well, Barry, it's it's certainly going to be a great game and a great test for either side. Uh, best of luck and uh, thanks for coming on the Big Red Bench. No problem at all, Aidan. Thank you. 
Stars boss Barry Myers chatting there ahead of um, their semi-final tomorrow down in Porky Cueve against the Glen and Ger will be down there bringing us all the latest on those games tomorrow and reaction here on the bench tomorrow evening from 6pm as well. Uh, just update you in the Premier League, it is half time in the late kickoff now and still Brighton leading Newcastle by a goal to nil there. Earlier on Manchester City with a 2-0 win over Man United uh, Brentford beaten 2-1 by Norwich, Chelsea and Burnley won all and Crystal Palace with a 2-0 win over Wolves. Big win for Ireland in the rugby today as well. In just a few minutes when we come back we will have reaction to that game we'll hear from Johnny Sexton amongst others and we will reflect on uh, today's Cork City FC women's match their win over Treaty at Turner's Cross when they broke a women's national league attendance record which is fantastic I will also uh, chat about the Cork City FC men's team with Roar as well before we finish up all that to come between now and 7 o'clock here on the Big Red Bench The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm at the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM yeah, it is the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock on a busy, busy Saturday of sport. Uh, right, we're looking forward to those GA games tomorrow. But we are now going to move on and turn our attentions elsewhere. In just a few minutes, we'll be reflecting on um, what happened to Turner's Cross today, the Cork City FC women's team in action. And a great afternoon down there as they finished up their season and uh, also broke an attendance record for the Women's National League as well. So that's fantastic. Uh, more on that to come in just a few minutes we'll hear from Paul Farrell and Becky Casson and Shatter Rory as well but right now um, big win for Ireland today Ireland absolutely hammered Japan in the Autumn Nation Series at the Aviva Stadium a huge winning margin for Ireland against Japan today 60 points to 5 at the Aviva uh, let's hear the reaction now of Ireland's Johnny Sexton it's been a strange week like um, since the team was announced it's been hard to get a like demented text messages that have been coming in like I, I think I was on my phone for record time just answering replies to people yesterday and means a lot to things like that but then I had to remember that I game to play like you know what I mean um, I had to try and make sure I got my performance right um, did some good stuff had a couple of mistakes that I'd like to, to iron out but you know the first game back the first game back is always uh, not real, it's a little bit rusty like you know what I mean like, but, like we've only had three or four sessions together so to, to put out that standard of performance I thought it was a testament to the to the boys, to the management, to the to the work that we've done. You know, we, we did a tough week last week um, to make sure we were ready this week to, to do a proper test match week, and um, you know we got our rewards. I think you know to, to to Japan. I don't think that's been done to them in a long time. Um, so we're we're very very pleased. But we know that um, there's a bigger test ahead next week. Yeah, it was a tough wind. Um, like a couple of them, I, I hit at, at a post and just. Hope for the best, really. A couple of them worked out. A couple of them, um, the wind didn't hit it enough on, on one of them. But look, that's that's uh, the life of a kicker. You know, it was very similar. My first cap. I woke up this morning, looked out the window, and saw the trees sideways, and kind of thought like the first one. So, um, but it was look, it was a it was a great day. I think for for everybody. For I, I spoke to the boys last night and just said, look, it's a special day for everybody coming into the stadium because it's been two years they've been deprived of watching Ireland live and um, we, we've missed them, uh, they've missed it and I think it was we wanted to put on something for them today that um, that they remembered, so I hope I hope we did that. I, I'll put it at pride of place, like it's a, 
look, it's a special day. There's lots of special mementos that's up there. Like to get something from an opposition team is is, is very special for me. And uh, yeah, it would be take pride of place and somewhere in my house. Every single one last round you after you scored. How much did that mean? There was uh, it was up there. Like I said, the lads in the dressing room, one of the best moments of of, uh, of my career to have a. I don't think Andrew Conway came in because he felt I should have passed the ball to him. Uh, but 14 man pylon, and uh, it was um, a very very special moment. And the the crowd uh, at that moment, I'll, I'll remember it forever. Uh, I just thought that we saw glimpses of it last season, but we didn't do it consistently enough. I think today we probably took a step forward in making. We did it more and um, more consistently. Still, parts of it look that we that we need to get better, especially for next week um, against the best team in the world. Um, but it was it was pretty good, and you know we we've been working on it for for a long time. Um, and, and I suppose we got a result to, to go with the performance as well today. Are you going to ask about next weekend? Is there confidence there that you can beat the other? Um, uh, look, I, I don't think you'd ever say you're really confident about beating the All Blacks because you know you need to get away from thinking about the results. You need to go and look after the process and make sure that you put out your very best performance and that will give you a chance. Um, if we don't do that, we've no chance. So all our focus will be on, obviously we'll do our an analysis on them. Um, you know, they've got some really dangerous players. They've, they've got a good coaching team that, that have been, they've had some good results of late. and. Um, you, you know, we give them the respect that they absolutely deserve, but we got to concentrate on making sure that we give our best version of ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah, that's Ireland's Johnny Sexton speaking after Ireland's big, big win over Japan, 60 points to five today in the Autumn uh, Nation Series at the Aviva Stadium. Uh, New Zealand, as he mentioned, is up now or up next. Um, and it was Johnny Sexton's 100th cap as well today, so a big day for him. New Zealand up next next week for Ireland. And uh, we'll just briefly hear now from Ireland's New Zealand-born star, James Lowe, chatting to the press after the game. James, when we spoke to you on Thursday, mate, uh, you were so excited to be back into the international fold. You said you'd obviously worked hard on evolving your game a bit. And my goodness, we were mightily impressed with what we saw. How, how pleased were you with uh, what you were able to showcase? Yeah. Um, mate, we had, a, we, had a, we had a good lead into this game. You know, we, we had a plan and we executed it very well. Um, there were times, especially in that first half, where we were creating opportunities off the back of, you know, working hard early and attacking game lines, getting weak shoulders and, and dominating the ruck. I don't think, um, you know, individually I was obviously happy and to be able to put my, put my name forward and, you know, for these coming few games through a performance like that, I'm happy. There's still things that I'm pretty pissed off and frustrated about but um, that's footy and um, back to the drawing ball because there's a, there's a beast around the corner and I've got to ask about it clearly it's the, it's the nation of your birth and it is New Zealand next if you could just please quantify how much you would love to start or at least feature in that game of all games yeah um, I think this is going to be a pretty common theme I guess with the questions coming up in uh, yep. the next week but um, yeah obviously it's my you know my nation of birth it's the theme of the questions I guess for the week the week that is um, obviously the country of my birth where I grew up where I learned a lot of the um, a lot of my trade I guess and um, you know to have the opportunity now to represent to potentially represent Ireland next week against them um, is something that it's a, it's a challenge I knew was was around the corner and a challenge that I, I can't wait to 
to put my best foot forward like that is James Lowe speaking ahead of the Ireland and New Zealand game following Ireland's big, big win over Japan today. 60 points to five at the Aviva Stadium. We're going to turn our attentions to football now and uh, we will chat uh, with Roar in a minute about the Cork City men's team and some new signings for Cork City this week. But uh, first, the Cork City women's team in action today in Turners Cross against Treaty United. And it was um, a big day because there was a lot of fans there. There was over a thousand fans turned up today for a women's game. Now, that that, that is huge for a game in the Women's National League. A lot of times um, for those games, uh, there'll be very, very small attendances, but a big, big drive, a charity drive today and and, and kind of just get behind women's sport and get behind women's football, uh, raising money for Breast Cancer Ireland as well. And uh, it was fantastic. And uh, Cork City won the match down in Turner's Cross and they broke a record. They broke the attendance record for the Women's National League with 1,007 people there in attendance. And Rory was one of those people and he was chatting to uh, City boss Paul Farrell after the game. Paul, how good was that? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Look, it was it was a great occasion. Uh, huge numbers. I actually don't know the official headings. Thousand seven. Thousand seven. That's that's super. Like at, at the start of the week, they were kind of keeping me out of the loop to to let me concentrate on on the job in hand, and uh, I'm glad they did because that was a really tough game and, and a really good uh, a really good victory to end on the, a tough season. You know, so it was a really good performance. The build up all week was something else, though. From everywhere, from online, the media, ourselves, and Red FM was great. Oh yeah, look, they it, it, it just took over, and I think it landed well when the men's finished on Friday. <laughs> we could take over <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. that social media. Uh, platform and in fairness to everyone in Cork like they really got behind us I, I see local league teams here Red FM helped us 96 uh, The Echo uh, our own social media group and marketing group were, were superb like it was in everyone's face you know and, <laughs> and it showed today that we got over a thousand people at the game and I mentioned as well for the lads in the, the podcast that you have the three amigos you started it all and got the ball rolling yeah exactly it was actually I was about two weeks late to the party day someone <laughs> told me they're, they're going to try and get 2k at this game and yeah. uh, in fairness to the lads and look they, we were on their podcast on on Monday night or Wednesday and uh, they were buzzing for it they were really hyping it up and, and they just got behind it and in fairness them they stuck to their guns they said they were going to try and get a big crowd and they got a big crowd out today and I think that does break the attendance yeah, record so um, it's it's great to have it and it's, it's a super bunch of girls as well um, so I'm delighted for them it shows the potential of the club as well you get a thousand people out for a game like this yeah exactly and we were actually talking before the game Saturday at 2 o'clock is probably the hardest one <laughs> Manchester Derby on the TV <laughs> beforehand yeah, yeah. you know so it's a really hard time to get it out but um, look people came out Cork people always support Cork people and you've seen that in any any sport and, and when there's a push on anything to, to support Cork clubs the Cork uh, community come out and, and help us so it's been superb uh, it was a great occasion great day and, and we really appreciate all the support That is Paul Farrell the Cork City FC women's manager talking to Rory after their victory over Treaty today in Turner's Cross uh, in front of that record attendance for a women's game uh, Rory was also chatting to Cork City's Becky Casson at full time in the cross. Becky, how good was that? Uh, really, really good. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, it was a battle like we knew it would be, but I think at um, play, stages we played football and, and moved them around and the goals were all good. We worked them well, so no, I enjoyed that. Yeah, for your penalty, that run from Sarah McKevitt was something else, wasn't it? Unbelievable, and she does it all the time. Um, so we know to pick her out when she makes those runs. Um, thankfully, she took that touch and, and was brought down and I got to finish it off. But uh, She got her goal in the end, so she won't be too disappointed. I was going to say that was some free kick she got, wasn't it? Yeah, again, she does that all the time. Um, she has a track record of scoring 
scoring from distance. So, yeah, no, she'll be happy now at the end of the game with that. You dominated that second half. What was the word from the management to halftime? Dominating the second half. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we let them back into it a bit in, in the last 15 in the first half and started playing long balls probably when they weren't on, weren't playing the football that we wanted to. So, no, we, we tidied it up and got the result in the end. What about the crowd here today? It's a, a record crowd, 1,007. That's fantastic in the first half. How much of a help was it in the second half? More than people will realise, I think. Um, hearing that push, hearing the chance, especially going into the shed end. I know we didn't score from a corner there in the second half, but you know we could have easily with just with the push from the crowd. It was unbelievable. Um, we appreciate it so much, and on behalf of the whole club and all the girls, like thank you so much, everyone that came out because it means the world. And hopefully next season we'll get the same. I was going to say a sign of the potential of the club. I guess when you can get a crowd like this for a last game of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if we can do that last game of the season, no reason why we can't do a first game in next season. So um, that'll be the push. I know the club are going to be big on that now since we'll be here now next year. So that's the aim. Becky, overall, I mean, like the season as a whole. I mean, like how would you describe it? Disappointing. Um, we're all so much, so capable of so much more, and we know that. Um, so, but there's no reason why we can't, you know, turn that around next year. I think we had a lot of young players coming through the game today. Laura scored, um, and she's been a product of, of Cork City as well. So, like, there's no reason why we can't turn it around next year and show what we're capable of. Well, I'm today, Becky. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Yes, we heard from uh, Paul Farrell there and Becky Casson as well after Cork City's 3-1 win in the Women's National League today uh, against Treaty United down in Turner's Cross. Uh, and it was kind of a special occasion because Cork City were hoping to break an attendance record for the uh, the biggest attendance ever at a, at a Women's League of Ireland National League game. And they did, which is fantastic. Um, it was the drive for 2K. It wasn't quite 2K, but it was a big, big crowd and it was enough to, to break the record. And Rory was down there and and uh, Roar, I'd say it was great when people realised that the record had been broken. Yeah, it was a lovely moment, to be honest, because um, we'd seen Andrew Horgan tweet there was like 997 or something there, and then we got an, um, an announcement of the PA said that 1,007 spectators had been there, which is an attendance record for a Women's National League game. It was incredible stuff. Uh, it was in a, a very um, impressive campaign, I suppose. The, the grassroots campaign had started um, with our friends over on the other three Mugos podcast. They had the idea, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And as you said, it didn't quite get to the 2,000, but uh, to have 1,000 a match a meaningless match in the day column let's, not, let's call a spade a spade yeah. here like there was nothing uh, to, at stake here so for a thousand people to come to a game like that at the end of the season uh, a cold kind of rainy drizzly Saturday no, uh, November afternoon with of course Manchester United and Man City a big attraction on TV exactly well, they well we're better off the people didn't watch that today anyway Roar so it was, it was all good yeah I, I, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to matching either apparently no. it, was, it was absolutely <laughs> dreadful from a Manchester United perspective but for, for them to get a crowd of a thousand seven people it was absolutely fantastic and as as I said to Paul and as I said to Becky it's kind of um I suppose it's a sign of the, the, the possible strength of this club and if you get regular big crowds there there's no doubt in my mind that this Cork City team will be competing at the top end of the table sooner rather than later because I thought they were excellent today Colm. Yeah and we've seen obviously the Cork City men's team down through the years getting massive massive crowds and I mean even last week for the Galway game again like today's women's game there was nothing at stake for Cork City it was a first division game on, on a cold Friday night and uh, there was nothing to play for apart from a bit of pride and see a few goals for Cork City they won the game there was still like two and a half thousand people at that game last week there was a thousand at the women's game today so I mean right across the club at, at both men's and women's top level it's great to see the potential that is there for the support in Cork isn't it? 
Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm going to have Colin Healy on the show tomorrow yep. as well, recapping the men's season. He talks uh, quite a bit about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, just to talk about the, the women's team today, I yep. mean, like, the, the second half performance they put in today was just incredible. They went in one all. Uh, Becky Caston scored a penalty for City to put them ahead. It was um, a tremendous run from Sarah McKevitt. City were defending a corner. Sarah McKevitt gets the ball in the edge of her own box, runs the length of the pitch, skips past three, four, five, three United players is eventually brought down, hacked down in the box because she would have been one of the goals of the season. Um, a Puska as a war contender. If she had scored it, so she was hacked down in the box. Becky Casson steps up, slots it into the bottom left-hand corner. City are a goal up. Uh, after that, and as we heard from Paul there as well, City lets uh, Treaty back into the game. Um, and the treaty kind of grew in strength and they took a great goal Jenna Slattery with a diving header from uh, close range uh, beating the uh, the Cork City keeper Abby McCarthy from uh, close range but it was a great goal from Treaty Knight's perspective mm. so good thing went up one all you're thinking right now second half City are playing into the shed and there's a thousand people here the atmosphere is electric for the second half Class. and the City team yeah. responded to this because they kept coming forward attacking in waves and they got their just rewards as Sir McEvitt scored a ridiculous Ridiculous free kick just inside the halfway line. Spotted a keeper off her line and just blasted it over the keeper's head. It was fantastic. It was an absolutely brilliant free kick and a pleasure to be there for that. And what was most impressive after that, after they went 2-1 up, they didn't sit back. They kept attacking this Treaty United side and then Claire Shine later on. Uh, Laura Shine, I do beg your pardon, mm. uh, made it uh, three goals to one. A fantastic team goal and just slaughtered into the, the bottom corner. Into the shed and celebrated into the shed. Look, it was a fantastic moment. Fantastic performance. Great to see Cork City wrap up their season with a victory. They had a tough week last week against P. Mount United uh, away from home. Well beaten by uh, the uh, league leaders. And that's the standard that Cork City want to get to for so for them to rebound from that and I suppose draw um, inspiration from the big crowd that was there it was absolutely fantastic to see it was a fantastic day out and I hope a lot of the people who are at their first Cork City game today uh, come back and support the women next season because it was a fantastic occasion and a lot of kids there today Roar as well um, you mentioned your own daughter it was her first <laughs> time seeing the, the Cork City women's team there uh, was it her first game at Turner's Cross ever? First game at Turner's yeah. Cross because I'm, I'm always working We're always with Cork working, City exactly. matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it's hard to bring her to games, obviously. Now she wants to sit down and watch me commentating the game for 90 <laughs> minutes, which I don't think she does. So she enjoyed it. It was her first game. She's six years of age. Um, absolutely loved the, the buzz and all the the um, the chanting and all that. Kind of. I think she enjoyed the halftime chips more than the match. Well, we all enjoy them, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So look, she had a great time. And that's what it's all about. She got her photograph taken with Becky Casson afterwards. She was absolutely over the moon. She had her city hat on. I bought her a hat yesterday. The, to bring it to the game she had her city jersey on she had one of my city scarves she was absolutely just delighted buzzing to be there and look that's what it's all about seeing kids enjoying their, their first experience at Turners Cross and hopefully I get to bring Cecil to, to many more uh, city games uh, in the months to come Yes, both the men's and women's team and uh, hopefully she'll be a supporter of both for many years to come. She has the, the hat now and the merchandise and the scarf and everything and uh, there was a lot of kids there today and, and I've actually been speaking to some people who were there across the afternoon and I think everyone really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was uh, the, the attendance record broken today. 1,007 the official attendance at Turner's Cross which is a crazy big number yeah. for a women's national league game because the crowds wouldn't be great generally at them but uh, hopefully it'll be the sign of things to come. Uh, we want to talk about the Cork City uh, first 
first team, the men's team as well, Roar, because uh, as you said, Colin Healy, the Cork City manager, is going to be joining you on the show tomorrow evening here on the Big Red Bench. And we're looking forward to hearing what Colin has to say after uh, kind of a, an interesting season for Cork City, I suppose. They wrapped it up with a good win over Galway United in Turner's Cross last week uh, against John Caulfield's Galway in front of a crowd, as we mentioned, of 2,500 people. But... Uh, City were just only four points off the playoff positions mm. in the end and if you look at the season as a whole Roar I, I think Colin said it to me himself last week he'll probably say the same to you they just started the season kind of slowly and, and badly and gave away some silly points with late goals in some games which which yeah, has ended up costing them really Yeah it was around um, April Colin after they, they, they beat uh, Cove Ramblers in that opening game of the season and you're thinking right it wasn't a great performance but it's three points and you're on the board and then just April was just an absolute nightmare just couldn't buy a win uh, to save their lives and then what Ever changed in July, just a change in approach, change in tactics, change in in attitude, I guess, and uh, I suppose a lot of it is down to to, to Bolger and to, to Coffee coming in as well, and. It remains to be seen whether Barry Coffey will be at the club next season. He was absolutely brilliant for, yep. for City and it'll be fantastic to see him back there doing what he did because he was a fantastic signing, the, uh, the loanee from Glasgow Celtic. Uh, but uh, Colin Collins, me and Red FM to, to talk about that. I mean, like he's got Aaron Bolger's sign, which is fantastic. Ali Gilchrist is a fantastic signing. Surprised to see him leave. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's a good signing. The club officially announcing that yesterday. Ali Gilchrist, who was a, a regular centre-back starter for Shelburne last season and I saw some comments from Shelburne fans on Twitter yesterday and one or two were saying he was one of their players of the season so I'm surprised to see him leave Shelburne I, I think maybe there was something that, that drew him down to Cork in terms of uh, of um, of family things and things as well but uh, certainly it's great to have him signing for the club and, and that's a statement of intent now and there's a few other names rumoured who might be joining the club as well so Colin Healy is definitely going out to strengthen the squad significantly he'll try and keep a core from this season obviously some players will move on but uh, He's going to strengthen that squad and he's already said the target for next season has to be to get the club back up to the, the Premier Division and I, mm. I think everyone expects that now, Roar, don't they? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think anyone expected Cork City to get promoted in, no, in their, the season, their yeah. first season yeah. in, in the first division. It was always going to be tough for them. And, but as you say, Colin, just four points off the promotion spots. You look back at some of the, the annoying points that Cork City dropped over yeah. the course of the season. It just, it would have you banging your head off the wall. The, the Cabinteely one away from home really sticks out to me for, and that goal that never should have been because after a drop ball, another player has to touch the ball for it to be considered play and then it went straight into the net it should have been a goal kick to Cork City that one really stands out to me I think that one and, uh, the, and the 2 nil at home to Bray with nine or 8 or 9 minutes left uh, and drawing 2 all they're, they're the yeah. 2 really aren't they they are yeah look and look it's a young team it's an experienced team so look and Colin has had to deal with a lot of um, injuries as well like Stephen Beat he was out for pretty much the entire season a lot of hype when he came in we're yep. all excited to see Stephen Beat come in he was injured for most of it Garrett Morrissey he's your skipper he's your talisman missed a lot of the season George Heaven fantastic start to the season drawing comparisons to Dan Murray very very early on then missed most of the season it was frustrating for him there are three names you'd expect to be in, in your starting 11 almost every week first names in the team sheet and he didn't have those at his disposal so look a frustrating season plenty of potential for next year I do believe and um, it's going to be very very exciting I'm looking forward to seeing what other players he brings in Ali Gilchrist and, and just re-signing Alan Bolger that's two very good bits of business there and the, he's already the got uh, Key and Coleman and Key and Murphy signed up as well doesn't he 
Yeah, Keen Murphy was a revelation yeah. myself and uh, Colin talked about that tomorrow. Keen Murphy just settled into that number nine role and just started scoring goals and looked as the season went on to be a very, very good player indeed. So it's going to be exciting to see what he does in the first division next season. Obviously, we don't know the, the, the makeup of the first division yet, which teams will be competing in it. But it's, it promises to be a very exciting year for Cork City. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed now. Just go off to a good start and hopefully we won't have a terrible April again this year. Hopefully not. Hopefully it'll be a good start and hopefully we'll, we'll see more of, of the experienced players that'll be fit, the likes of Stephen Beattie and Garrell Morrissey and so on, uh, complemented by some new signings and some of the younger players who've been coming through this season doing well as well. It should be a great season for Cork City next year and we'll keep an eye on um, all the um, all the comings and goings of uh, at Cork City over the next few weeks as well on the show. And of course, Colin Healy joining Rory on the show here tomorrow. If you want to hear all the latest uh, gossip from Colin Healy, uh, he'll be here with you tomorrow, Rory. Thanks a million for chatting to us. Cheers, Colin. And actually, uh, just as we're talking there as well, um, uh, Cork City announcing another signing in the last few minutes of James Duna signing from Athlone Town. Um, I think he's a winger and he's quite a handy player. And uh, James Duna signing from Athlone Town for Cork City. So another signing there for City. That is us pretty much out of time on the show this evening. Just to wrap up, we'll give you the latest score in the Premier League. Newcastle uh, now level. They've just equalised um, in the last couple of minutes. Um, and it's one all there at the Amex Stadium between Newcastle and Brighton. If Newcastle can get the point out of that game, um, they will just kind of keep themselves off the bottom of the table on goal difference because Norwich won today against Brentford as well. That is us out of time. Rory is here on the bench tomorrow evening from 6. I'm back with you in the morning on the 10 to 2 show from 10am. Have a wonderful Saturday night, whatever you're doing, and I'll chat to you in the morning. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.